Man, if you want to know what Christmas is all about, that song nails it. It's not the presents, not the food, not the lights, though all of that is fun. It's Jesus Christ, the Savior who came into this world as one of us 2,000 years ago. For December, we're doing this series called The Impact of Christmas. We've talked about Christmas through the lens of the cross and the death of Jesus, and Christmas through the lens of connection with each other, something Jesus came to accomplish, and Christmas through the lens of conflict last week. But there's another perspective to help us see Christmas in a fresh way. Jesus didn't just come to save, connect, and reconcile. He also came to rule. So today's message is called Christmas and the Crown. I want to start by returning to a passage I used in the first message of this series. It's Philippians chapter 2, which describes how Jesus came to this earth with humility and took on a lowly place as a human baby, then died a criminal's death on the cross. After that, we get to verse 9 of Philippians chapter 2, which says this, Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue declare that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So you see, Jesus didn't just come to save, connect, and reconcile. He also came to rule. But what does his rule look like? The disciples thought he might conquer the Roman Empire and create a new physical kingdom in Israel. That's not the kind of rule Jesus had in mind. Jesus gets at something deeper. His kingdom is based on the hearts and minds of people that he brings into his family. He doesn't want to just be a ruler. He wants to be your ruler. If that sounds strange to you, stick with me because I think the text we're going to look at today is going to make a lot of sense. We'll spend most of our time in Luke chapter 6. You may want to turn there now in your Bibles if you have them with you. In Luke chapter 6, Jesus is teaching his disciples about what it means to call him Lord or their ruler. And here's what he says in verse 43. A good tree can't produce bad fruit and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. A tree is identified by its fruit. Figs are never gathered from thorn bushes and grapes are not picked from bramble bushes. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart. Now he'll talk more about being a ruler in a little bit, but first he lays down some truth that separates following Jesus from what a lot of people think about religion. This is something John Richardson talked about last week. And we've said it many times from this stage. The Christian life is not just about behavior modification. It's about transformation. Jesus didn't just come to give you a new way to do things. He came to give you a new you. God transforms people from the inside out. People in Jesus' day were used to following the religious rules and customs. So they looked good on the outside, but inside, they were still just as sinful, even with all the good they showed the world. Are people any different today? We try to look good to others, put on a good face at church, post the best version of ourselves online, but what matters much more to God is what's in our hearts. As long as I can remember, I have loved fruit. I grew up helping my grandparents with their acres of fruit trees and bushes, 
blueberries, blackberries, raspberries, grapes. I love them all. And of course, lots of apples. Most of the time, I would rather have fruit than sweets. Mix fruit and sweets together, and that is my food kryptonite. Well, one time, I picked up a bright red juicy apple, took a big bite out of it, and immediately spit it out. See, what looked good on the outside disguised the rotting on the inside. Has that ever happened to you? Sometimes looks can be deceiving with fruit and with people. Jesus didn't come to rescue people so they could look good on the outside. He's after change on the inside. So let me ask you a few self-diagnosis questions that I want you to consider for you. What are you like when other people aren't watching? What does your personal time with God look like these days? What do your conversations sound like when it's just you and a close friend or your spouse? Does the teaching of God's word make a difference even in your private life and your private conversations? Here's what I'm really getting at. Are you really a person being transformed or are you just trying to look like it on the outside? If your good image is just for show, that good presentation is actually bad fruit. Because being good as a cover-up means the good image is actually a lie. Jesus wants followers who don't just look good. They are being transformed into better people on the inside by their devotion to him. A lot of people do not understand this. And it was no different in Jesus' time. In fact, here's what he said to the religious leaders in Judaism in, in Matthew chapter 23. He says, What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, and you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, beautiful on the outside, but filled on the inside with dead people's bones and all sorts of impurity. Outwardly, he says, you look like righteous people, but inwardly your hearts are filled with hypocrisy and lawlessness. See, Jesus wants a good heart that produces good fruit, not just what looks like good fruit on the outside. He wants the inside to be changed. Now, if we go back to Luke chapter six, he's gonna add this in verse 46. He says, so why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do the things I say? I will show you what it's like when someone comes to me, listens to my teaching, and then follows it. Let me say that again. Why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? I will show you what it's like when someone comes to me, listens to my teaching, and then follows it. Let's just pause there for a minute. And I want you to think carefully about this question. Why do you keep calling me Lord when you don't do what I say? If we reverse engineer this passage, we can see what it means to make Jesus your Lord. There are three things he mentions in verse 47. Come to him, come to Jesus, listen to his teaching, and follow it. Seems simple enough, but it's not always easy to do. See, some people come to Jesus because they are curious, but they don't really go any further. They might say they believe in Jesus, but they don't know much about what he actually teaches. They hope that they're a good enough person, that in the end, their good outweighs their bad, even though that's the opposite of what Jesus really taught. Some people come to Jesus and they listen. They may listen a lot. They're fascinated by spiritual things, religious studies, theology, and more knowledge. They can even become experts in sacred writings with doctorate degrees and many books to their name. But they don't really internalize it or practice what they've learned. But other people come to Jesus 
listen to his teaching and let God transform their hearts and their lives as they obey what he teaches. Not because they're doing it for show or to earn points with God, but because to them, Jesus is their Lord, their ultimate authority. He's not just to be looked at or listened to, he's to be obeyed. Now we're often slaves to our emotions, slaves to our addictions, slaves to convenience, slaves to our preferences, slaves to our desires, but we are slaves to those things by our own choice. Life is so much better when we make Jesus our ultimate authority and say no to everything else when it contradicts him. And Jesus said, this is how we really love him. He said in John 14, if you love me, obey my commandments. Now let's just be really honest with each other. There is something we do not like about the word obey, isn't there? Doesn't that make you bristle a little bit? The thought of having some authority rule over us, it seems like a bad thing. As little kids, we naturally rebel against the idea of obedience. We have to be trained by our parents to obey and that obedience and rules are actually good for us. And I train my kids to obey, not because I hate them, but because I love them. I want them to listen to me and to follow my instructions, even in smaller things, because sometimes the consequences for not following are devastating. When Jackson was three, we were teaching him to stay with us in parking lots and to hold our hands. But one day we walked out of a restaurant, walked him to the car, put him inside and told him to stay put while we put things in the car. I thought that Jenny was loading things through his door while I loaded the front. Jenny thought that I was watching him while she went around to the back. And it was probably only 10 seconds before we were startled by a car hitting the brakes and honking right next to us. He managed to get out of the car and run into the road without us ever seeing him. Now to three-year-old Jackson, our instructions seemed limiting, cruel even. Why would we want to restrict his freedom? Why not just let him do whatever he wanted? But we know our rules are meant to help him, not hurt him. And even the little ones are important because he won't always understand what the consequences are for not following each rule. A good ruler is more like a shepherd than a dictator. They guide the sheep with rules and sometimes with force, but always for the good of the sheep. Jesus is a good shepherd, a good Lord. Following him is one of the best things you can do with your life. Back in Luke chapter six, after Jesus talks about the good tree producing good fruit and people who call him Lord, but don't come listen and follow, he gives this analogy about the people who submit to his leadership in their life. Listen to what he says about those people that, that really make him their Lord. He says, it is like a person building a house who digs deep and lays the foundation on solid rock. When the floodwaters rise and break against that house, it stands firm because it is well built. But anyone who hears and doesn't obey is like a person who builds a house right on the ground without a foundation. When the floods sweep down against that house, it will collapse into a heap of ruins. Now we've seen some floods in St. Louis. We've seen houses that can be salvaged and houses that just fall apart. There's a big difference between a home built well and a home built fast. If you don't take the time to set a good foundation, it won't make it through the storms. Jesus is saying that your life is like that. You want to be able to handle the storms of life? Make Jesus your Lord. 
not just at church, at home, at work, at school, in your private and your public life. And by the way, this doesn't happen overnight. It takes time to develop a close walk with Jesus, to learn to filter your thoughts and your words through his teaching, to find and remove all the traces of selfishness and sin in your life. It's like building a good foundation. It can't be done in an instant. If you don't take the time to do it right, it won't stand the test of time. So don't wait until a storm comes to try to build a good foundation with Jesus as your Lord. Work on it each day. Spend time in God's word, in prayer, get into community with other followers doing the same thing. Make it a priority, not a pastime. Following Jesus and obeying him won't hurt you. It actually protects you in the hard times. It builds your faith, it gives you hope, and it keeps you from making the mistakes that would have you creating your own storms in life. So this Christmas, I want you to think about the coming of Jesus, not just as a baby, a savior, a healer, a redeemer, and a reconciler, but also as your Lord. Look at Christmas through the lens of the crown and ask yourself, where can I grow in submitting my life to Jesus this week? Wherever you're at right now, would you take a minute and close your eyes and focus on our Savior and just pray with me. Jesus, we thank you for coming into our world 2,000 years ago as a little baby in the humblest way possible, living as one of us, being tempted in every way as we are, so that you could connect with us, so that you could pass on your teachings, so that you could show us what it means to walk with you, so that you could die for us as a sacrifice for our sin and then rise again so that we can have a Savior who redeems us to God, so that we can be part of your family. We thank you, Jesus, for doing that for us. Thank you for today, this day that we remember and celebrate. But Lord, help us to not let it fade away after today, but may every day be a day that we remember just what you've done for us so that we can live for you, so that we can make you our Lord in every aspect of our life, Lord. If there's an area in our lives right now that's kind of locked away and hidden that we, we've kind of kept from your influence and your lordship, your, your leadership, God, I pray that we would just open that up to you right now and reveal to us where those things are, Lord. Maybe it's something with our friends, something at work, something in our marriage, something with our kids, whatever it is, God. Maybe it's some private thing we do or maybe it's our conversations with other people where at times they're not glorifying to you. Lord, help us to filter everything we do through your word and to know it well enough to do that. Help us to be sensitive to your Holy Spirit and that conviction that, that guides us onto the right path, Lord. We want to be responsive to your guidance, to your rule in our lives, in our hearts, in our minds. God, we thank you for this day. We thank you that you want to have a relationship with us. We praise you, God, for who you are and what you've done for us. Help us to live for you today and every day. And in Jesus' name, we all pray. Amen. Hey, I want to thank you so much for joining us for this special online service. I hope that your Christmas is a wonderful time today, remembering what Jesus did for you and then living for him. We look forward to seeing you next week at First Free Church. God bless.